We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a message from the Holy Ghost Emergency Broadcasting System. Today is the day. Today is the day. And now is the accepted time. I don't know who you are or where you're from, but I'm here to tell you now. God is calling you now. Those of you that are here and the many that are watching live stream, you're not excluded. God knew you'd be tuning in. He's got a message for you. He that has an ear to hear, let him hear. Not what the preacher is saying, but what the Spirit is saying. In these last hours, God is speaking loud and clear. Now is the time. And sir, today is your day. God is calling you to make a decision. As a matter of fact, the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to the whole world. And he's commanding men, women, young people everywhere. Repent! For the kingdom of God is at hand. This is not an hour to play. This is not an hour to procrastinate. God is moving swiftly through the world and time is running out. So we can't afford to just take this as another day as usual because somebody's day, no, everybody's day is right now. So my prayer is that you will hear the word of God as if you're hearing it for the very first time because for somebody, this could be your last. And so with all seriousness and with all urgency, time to wake up, people. God is speaking. Let's bow our heads right now. We're waiting on you, Jesus. We're anticipating you. Father, we invite you to speak to us as a collective group and speak to us individually. Today, it is most important that somebody here would be obedient to your word. As sure as their heart is beating, the clock is ticking and the windows of opportunity are closing. We know we're living in the last hours. Oh Lord, I pray for every man, woman, child, young person under the sound of my voice that they will leave this service today changed, challenged, awakened, and most of all, saved. That is our prayer, Lord. Don't let one escape. Let your perfect will be done. Let everyone say amen. Amen. Look at the person next to you, beside you, behind you, and say, today's your day. Today is your day. Praise the Lord. We're going to 
go to the word of the Lord this morning. And we're going to start in the book of Acts, the ninth chapter, and there are going to be several verses of scripture I'm going to be referring to. But this morning, I'm going to be talking about five questions that could change your life. Five questions that could change your life. We'll start in the book of Acts, the ninth chapter, beginning in verse number one, where it is written, and Saul, yet breathing and breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, he went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether there be men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly, whoo, somebody say sudden. Oh, I love it when God moves suddenly. And suddenly, there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth. And he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul! Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And then verse 20, And straightway, without hesitation, Straightway, without procrastinating. Straightway, without waiting for another service. Straightway, he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Five Bible questions this morning that can change your life. God bless you, and you may be seated. Now, these questions, they're powerful, every last one of them. And in fact, there are perhaps even more questions that I could deal with, but I just picked out five. And I'm not even sure if I'm going to be able to deal with all five of them because they're all so good. And they're all so challenging. And they're all so capable of changing your life, changing your eternal destiny. No doubt, perhaps, these questions have been perhaps entertained by yourself. Maybe you've even asked some of these questions. So let's start with question number one. Who art thou, Lord? Who are you, Lord? With your Bibles still open to Acts chapter 9, let's go back and review what we just read. Verse number one, and Saul. Saul was a Pharisee. He uh, claimed to be a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was a very dedicated man in the service of Jehovah God. Saul was so, uh, he was so, uh, what's the word I want to use? He was so determined to protect what God had given Moses against this new religion that he committed his life into destroying everything that he thought was wrong. That's why the Bible says, lean not to your own understanding. 
Saul, the Bible says, was breathing out threatenings and slaughter. It was in his very being. When you looked at Saul, you can see the hatred and the anger he had for all of us that was in this way. Saul went about from congregation to congregation. He went about from church meeting to church meeting. He would break into the doors with soldiers. He would interrupt a service like this this morning, walk down the center aisle, arrest the pastor, turn over the pianos, and take everybody in the building to jail. That's the kind of man he was. And everybody knew his name, and that name Saul brought fear in the hearts of every believer. He desired letters from the high priest to go to a city called Damascus that if he were found any that believed what we believe, whether they be men or women, he had no respect of persons. He might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And on his way to do his dastardly deed, something happened. He got interrupted. Hallelujah. Oh, man, we serve a God that don't mind interrupting your life. You might be on the road to the grocery store, but suddenly, hallelujah, you might be on your way to work, and suddenly the power of God can interrupt your life. The Holy Ghost appeared to Saul in a brightness of brighter than the noonday sun and blinded him, and he fell to the earth. And then he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And the apostle, not the apostle, but that man Saul, before he was an apostle, he asked the number one question we want to deal with today. Who art thou, Lord? That's an important question. And believe it or not, there are people all over the religious world still asking that question. Who art thou, Lord? There's a lot of confusion in the religious world. As to who he is. Some believe he's one. We believe he's one. The Bible says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, is one. We got people that serve two. We got others that believe in three. There are folks that preach there's a thing called Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. There's nowhere in the Bible that complements that term. In fact, the word Trinity can't be found in the Scriptures. It was something that was put together in the minds of mortal men as they try to understand the Bible logically. But we know there's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one church, one name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess to the glory of the one Father. Who art thou, Lord? Let me tell you something. You'll never know who you are until you know who he is. You're living in a world of complete confusion. People all over trying to find their way. There's only one way. There is no other way except his way. Folks, the world is so confused. People are so messed up. Young people walking around trying to figure out who they are. 
I want to, I'm, I'm trying to discover myself. That's the worst thing you can discover is yourself. It's yourself that got you in trouble in the first place. I'm trying to discover who I am. We live in a world that's so messed up, amen, so deceived of the devil that can you imagine people don't even know what a man is anymore? They don't know what a woman is anymore? I never thought I'd live in a world could be so deceived. I saw sometime once somewhere a few months ago on this, this television program when they were interviewing these people and the whole subject of, of the program was the question, what is a woman? What is a woman? And some of the answers, I couldn't believe it. I was, I was like, uh, what, what planet am I on? What has happened to people? One preacher answered the question, what is a woman? You know what he said? Your mama! You want to know what a woman is? Your mama. Glory to God. What's wrong with this world? What's wrong with people? Every year, the month of June, rainbow, whatever they call it, the alphabet people. I mean, it's insane. And then sometimes we find ourselves reluctant to talk about it, scared to, put it, scared to preach about it, don't want to offend nobody. Well, I'm here to tell you, hallelujah, God made a man and God made a woman and he didn't make nothing else in between. We need to know who he is before we can know who we are. Who art thou, Lord? Glory, hallelujah. Jesus asked the question to the disciples. Who do men say that I am? Amen. Who do men say that I am? The disciples started looking around and they started, well, uh, Lord, some say, some say you, you're one of the Old Testament prophets. Who do you say that I am? Some say you're the prophet Elijah. Who do you say that I am? Well, Lord, I heard somebody say, you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead. Who do you say that I am? Peter stood up. He said, I don't know about what some say, but I'll tell you what I say. Thou art the Christ. You are the Son of God. Peter knew who he was. And because of that, the Lord said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to thee. You'll never get an understanding of who God is by going to college and going to school. You gotta get a revelation from the Holy One of Israel. This was revealed under thee by my father which is in heaven you know who he is and now thou shalt be called Cephas the rock now you have a revelation of who you are and unto thee will I give the keys to the kingdom and whatsoever you bound on earth is going to be bound on heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth is going to be loosed in heaven. Friend, let me tell you, you'll never know your purpose. You'll never know why you're really here. You'll never know who you really are until you get a revelation of who he is. He is God. Who art thou, Lord? I am. I am. Amen. Who art thou, Lord? I remember 
one occasion, we were having revival in town, and the pastor sent all of us out on a Saturday afternoon, knocking doors, inviting people to the church services. And there I was, walking through the neighborhood, and walked up to this house, and I knocked on the door. And I'm, you know, a little nervous. You know how it is knocking on doors of people you don't know. You don't know how they're going to respond. And I knocked on the door, and this gentleman opened the door, and I stood there, and I said, hey, how you doing? Uh, my, my name is Mike Easter, and uh, I, I go down to, to the apostolic church here, and, and we're having revival service. He said, uh, 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 son, I'm sorry, not interested. I mean, he ain't let me finish. I said, but, but you know, it, it's okay. It don't matter who you are or what you believe. We're inviting everybody to come to the revival. No, 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 no. Uh, I'm a Jehovah's Witness. Now, right then and there, I knew he won't come in. And I said, oh, okay. Uh, uh, all right, well, thank you, sir. He said, have a nice day. And he closed the door. And I walked down the sidewalk, and I stopped. And I said, this is a switch around. <laughs> I'm knocking on a Jehovah Witness door. <laughs> so I decided I was going to do something about that. So I turned around. I walked back to the door, knocked again. He opened the door. He looked at me. Yes. I said, sir, you know this is, this is really funny. He said, what? I'm knocking on a Jehovah Witness door for a change. <laughs> he smiled a little bit. I say, sir, as many times Jehovah's Witnesses have come to my house and knocked on my door, and we let y'all come in, and you let y'all do what you do and say what you say, you can at least give me five minutes. He smiled. <laughs> all right, five minutes. That's all you get. Yes, sir. That's all I needed. Man, when you got the Holy Ghost, you don't need two or three days. All you need is a second. God can do more in a minute than anybody can do in three hours. Just give me five minutes. Right away, his ears were closed up. No matter what I had to say, he was not interested. He was just being polite, giving me five minutes. His ears were shut. I walked in that house, and I blew his mind. I started talking about things he wasn't expecting me to talk about. First of all, I talked about his house. Man, this is a nice house. Wow. How long you been living here? He had to pull them things off his ears. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> How long y'all been living here? Oh, I don't know, man, seven or eight years. Oh, this is beautiful. Wow. I'm walking down the hallway, and I, I saw a room like a library. I just stepped right in that room. <laughs> wow. Look at all these books. He was coming behind me, frowned up looking. And I said, and by looking at all the books on his wall, I could tell he was a minister. And I'm looking, I said, man, look at these books. And he was puzzled looking at me. I said, you know something about the Jehovah Witnesses I really admire? He wasn't ready for that. Ears came down, man, he started listening. What is that? I said, Jehovah Witnesses got a zeal, man. Man, they out there knocking doors. It don't matter how many doors get slammed in their face. Man, I give y'all credit. Y'all do get it out there. I mean, every church ought to be following your example. And he was like, hmm. <laughs> then his whole wall of defense came down. 
And I looked over at his books and I said, wow, look at these books. You a minister? Yes, I am. Now, by this time, he was thinking, I might have me a fish in my pond. And I did that on purpose. So he was smiling and he was showing me his books and I'm looking through his books and I turned around and said, you know something? I know something about the Jehovah Witnesses that you don't know. And he was like, well, well, what is that? I said, sir, did you know that the greatest Jehovah Witness that ever lived wrote 14 books of the New Testament. His ears perked up. What do you mean, young man? I said, the Apostle Paul, before he was Paul, he was Saul of Tarsus. He said, that's right, that's right. Saul was a Hebrew of the Hebrew. Saul was a Pharisee. Saul was a committed believer in Jehovah God. That's the only God that Saul knew was Jehovah. Boy, he said, that's right. Boy, I had him on the hook then. I said, and Saul, he held on so tight to what Jehovah had given Moses to lead his people. And Saul was totally committed. But when this new Christendom, and that's what they call Christianity, when this new Christendom religion got started, Saul was determined that he would not allow nothing to take away what Moses had given them. Sir, Saul was a Jehovah's Witness. Everything Saul did, he did it to the glory and in the name of Jehovah God. He said, that's right. Well, I had him good now. I said, and Saul, in his determination to do what he did in the name of Jehovah, was on his way to Damascus. Man, his eyes got big. And I said he was going to Damascus to bring into bondage all those people in Christendom. And suddenly, a light shined out of heaven. He was like, yeah, yeah. And a voice came from heaven. And the voice said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And all of a sudden, you can see the lights popping off in his head. Uh-oh. <laughs> And I said, and Saul on the ground looked toward heaven and he looked toward Jehovah God Almighty and he said, Lord, who art thou? And Jehovah, the God of all creation, the God that is God alone by himself, the God who you claim you serve, said, I am The same God that put the heavens and the earth and that put them together. The same God that created all things. The same God that put the sun in the sky. The same God that dotted the heavens with the stars. He is the same God that we serve today. Our great and soon coming King, Jesus, the one true God. Who art thou, Lord? I. Jesus. Oh, 
when you get a revelation of who he is, it'll change the way you look at the world. When you get a revelation of who he is, you know there's not three gods coming back. There's only one God coming back. When you get a revelation of who he is, you ain't got to worry about who you're going to pray to in the morning. Jesus told a woman at the well, you worship what you know not. But we know, we know who we worship. Hallelujah. We know who he is and we know his name. Lord, who art thou? Church, who is he? Jesus. What's his name? Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. Let the devil hear it. Jesus. Glory, hallelujah. Give the Lord a high clap of praise. <laughs> his name is Jesus. And that's who he is. That's who he is. Let's look at the second question. The second question is found in Acts chapter 16, starting at verse number 26. Hallelujah. Who are you, Lord? The answer could change your eternity. The second question, the Bible says, and suddenly, there's that word again. Somebody say suddenly. Boy, wouldn't it be awesome if something suddenly happened in here? Man. That's the kind of God we serve. That's why you can't afford to go to sleep in church. You might close your eyes and suddenly. <laughs> Amen. The scripture says, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loose. Man, that'd be awesome. To see this place shaking. Folks that don't like to move, start moving. Folks that don't like to smile, start smiling. Amen. Folks that don't get excited, get excited. <laughs> Boy, that'd be something, wouldn't it? <laughs> All the doors are open. Everybody got loosed. What would that look like if everybody in this place got loosed this morning? imagine what that would look like people be taking out their phones I gotta take a picture of this folks from this end that end front to back all loose Boy, that one day it's gonna happen everybody's bands were loose the keeper of the prison woke up out of his sleep saw the prison doors are open he drew out his sword would have killed himself supposing the prisoners had escaped but Paul Paul, there go Paul again, crowd with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm, we're still here. Then he called for a light. He sprang in and came trembling. He fell down before Paul and Silas. He brought him out and he asked them the question, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe, believe, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and not just you, but your house. Hallelujah. You've got to believe this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because first, one must. One must. You've got to believe the word of God. You've got to take him at his word. God is a God of his word. He means exactly what he says. He that believeth must do something. You can't simply say, I believe. No, no, no. Belief takes action. Faith without works is dead. 
Amen. We got a church full of believers, but we don't have a church full of people that are saved. You can believe and still not be saved. We got whole church doctrines built on faith alone. You are saved. You're saved by grace. You're saved by grace. You don't have to do nothing. God did all the work. Let me tell you something. Salvation is free, but you got to pay for it. Amen. That didn't sink over too good. Let me say it one more time. Salvation is free, but you're going to have to pay for it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. We are saved by the grace of God. But the scripture don't stop there. We are saved by grace through faith. It's faith that helps us to get what grace has provided. What, what is grace? We are saved by grace. That's what God did for us. His amazing grace. God provided grace for us. But we cannot obtain that grace but through faith. Grace is God's part. Faith is your part. Faith is your part. The grace of God provided the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Thank you, Lord. But that won't benefit you unless you exercise faith in the grace. What does faith do? Repent and be baptized and receive the Holy Ghost. They all agree together. God does his part. You've got to do your part. It takes more than just coming to church and saying, I accept the Lord as my personal Savior. No, 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 no. You need to repent of your sins. You need to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins. And God promises he will fill you with the Holy Ghost. That's what you need to do. Glory to God. And you know something that's really important about this? Your actions determine what happens to your family. Somebody said, well, you know, it's just my decision and it only affects me. Oh, no, no, no. Your decision affects more than just you. Your decision is like a ripple effect. If you reject God, there's going to be people going to be lost because of your decision. But on the other hand, if you believe God and if you obey God, the Bible says not only will you be saved, but God's going to reach your husband, your mama, your daddy, your wife, your children, your nieces, your nephews, your neighbors. Come on. I don't want to be the only one to make it to heaven. I want to bring as many people with me as I can. It depends on what I do today. What must I do? You've got to do something. And that upset people. People like to go to church and have nothing required of them. Those churches are packed out. If you can't even find a parking spot. You can't find a place to sit. Because all you got to do is show up and you're saved. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to sacrifice. I don't have to change my ways. All I try to do is be a good person. And you're going to be lost. Something is required of you. Some people feel like, well, the price is too high. That's what the rich young ruler thought. He came running on his knees, on his knees, came to the feet of Jesus, saying, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Wow, look at that. Wouldn't that be awesome if we had that every day in church? 
and he was rich and he was young. We want those people in church. But Jesus didn't look at his wealth and Jesus didn't look at his age. Jesus looked at the condition of his soul. And he said, you know the scriptures. You've been, you've been in church all your life, but you're still not saved. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus looked at him and said, you got to sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and follow me. In other words, he was telling him and he's telling all of you here today, you got to sell out. You got to sell out. Wait a minute. What do you mean sell out? You got to give up your opinions. You got to give up your, 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 your plans. You got to give up your goals. You got to give up your will. Not my will, thy will be done. He really means business. Hallelujah. But you know, some people are so afraid that God going to ask me to do something I don't want to do. God going to send me somewhere I don't want to go. God going to ask me to do something so hard that I just can't do it. Oh, no, my friend, that's a lie of the devil. The Bible says if you would acknowledge him, he would not only direct your paths, but he will give you the desires of your heart. The things you want is going to be the things he wants. The places you want to go is going to be the places he wants you to go. You're going to work together in unison. Hallelujah. But it'll never happen unless you obey the word. That young man felt like, man, that's too much. Give up all my treasures. Give up all my earthly desires. Jesus said, there are going to be treasures laid up for you in heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. He said, I've come to give you life now and more abundantly. Let me tell you something. Giving your life to Jesus, you can't lose. Hallelujah. You'll lose depression. You'll lose, amen, worry. You'll lose all that mess in this world, but you'll gain everything. Hallelujah. If you only knew what the Lord has in store for you, some of you right now will be ready to run to this altar and say, not another minute, devil. I'm going to give it all. I'm going to give it all. What must I do? Jesus told Paul, get up, arise, and go. Do what I tell you to do. And we got to have a heart to say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. I'm going to exercise faith. Without faith, you're never going to make it. And you can't have faith without obedience. Amen. And that's the problem with so many of us. We want to believe, but we don't want to obey. Hallelujah. God ain't going to substitute nothing less. He that believe and is baptized shall be saved. Well, I believe, but, but I'm not ready yet to get baptized. Well, you don't believe then. I believe, but not today. You don't believe then. Because if you could only recognize how close you are to your last breath. David said, Lord, teach us to number our days. Help us to recognize we don't have a lot of time. God is calling you right now, young lady. Hey, hey, young lady. God got your number. Today's your day. You don't get to choose. He chooses. You don't get to set the appointment. He sets the appointment. And now, believe it or not, is the accepted time. Can you say amen? The next question, what will you have me to do? Acts chapter 9, verse number 6. 
Acts chapter 9, verse number 6, and he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will you have me to do? And the Lord said, Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Oh, God, if all of us could have that kind of an attitude. Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want me to do? And I will do it. Hallelujah. Some of us are so stubborn. Some of us are so stiff-necked, hard-headed, rebellious, sitting in church. God tells you what to do, and you sit there and figure it out. Well, let's see. What part of the Bible I want to obey? You don't get to do that. You don't get to do that. God commands all men, women everywhere to submit to his holy will. It will not work for you any other way. Now, the church down the street will tell you anything goes. However you want to live for God is fine, as long as you got a good heart. And that's a big lie. People walk around from one place to the other. I'm not as bad as her. I'm a good guy. I never killed nobody. I don't steal. I'm this, I'm that. No, you're lost. You're full of sin. You're deceiving yourself. You're not obeying the word of God. And folks go to church, and you know what they do? They try to balance their good works against their bad works. I'm not perfect, but I do more good stuff than I do bad. And I try my best. And this one, this one. And you know, God knows my heart. He does, and that ought to scare you. Because he knows you're rebellious. He knows you're disobedient. And God is a God of his word. He's not going to make excuses for you. You've got to come his way or no way. And the problem with so many people, and perhaps those that are watching and folks that's here right now, you boo, you believe in God. Yes, you do. But you believe in a God you created in your own mind. You created God in your own image instead of the other way around. And so you got God figured all out and you got it all straightened out and you compare God to a man. God is not a man. He is sovereign. He is to be feared. The breath in your lungs is in the center of his hands. Hallelujah. God could just blink an eye and the whole world could turn over. I'm telling you something. And God is reaching the tipping point of his anger and his wrath. His patience is running out on all this world of disbelievers. And he's not going to have mercy in that day of wrath. God is calling you, young lady. Don't worry about your friends. Don't worry about your boyfriend. Don't worry about your friends at school. God is calling on you, sir. You've been in that way for a long time but God is saying today it all ends today and it all begins today he's not playing games what must I do question number four let's hurry question number four Acts chapter 19 verse 1 and verse number 2 And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, he came to Ephesus and he found certain 
disciples. Everyone say disciples. He, he found believers. He found some believers. And he asked them a question. He said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, we've not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. <clears throat> Verse number six. When Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. That's an important question he asked. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? If I were to ask you if you was a believer, most of you nod your head, yes, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. But the most important question that you can answer next is, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Have you? <laughs> Some people answer right away, yeah, I got the Holy Ghost. Really? Yes. How do you know you got the Holy Ghost? Then a feeling came over me. Mm -mm. We can't go by feelings. You can't go by feelings. How do you know you got the Holy Ghost? My pastor told me I had the Holy Ghost. Can't go by that. That's not what the Bible says. How do you know you got the Holy Ghost? And some people just try to make up stuff because they want to believe they got it when they don't have it. How do you know you have the Holy Ghost, ma'am? You believe in God. You're a disciple. You're like them. And you know what they said? They were honest. They said, we don't even know. Our church don't even preach about the Holy Ghost. Not like the Bible. We haven't even, as much as heard. What, you don't have the Holy Ghost? If you don't have the Holy Ghost, then how were you water baptized? Amen. Because they go together. They go together, born of the water and of the Spirit. If you, if you don't have the water right, you probably don't have the Spirit right. And if you don't have the Spirit, most likely you don't have the water. So this is an important question. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? I think so. Wrong answer. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? I hope so. <clears throat> Wrong answer. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? You better ante up and be honest and say, I don't think I got it. Well, how were you baptized? How were you baptized? That's another good question. That's not in the book, but that's another good question. How were you baptized, sir, ma'am? You've been going to that church for years. How were you baptized? Do you even know? Jesus said, teach all nations. Baptize them, then teach some more. There's some things you need to know. And if you haven't been taught right, then you're probably not saved right. So how were you baptized, sir? Do you remember the most important thing in your life and you don't remember? There's been some faulty teaching going on. You baptized? They said, "Well, well, we got we got baptized under John the Baptist." Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you know what John said, because you, when you get baptized, you got to know what the preacher said. That's another thing. You need to know these kind of things. What did the preacher say when he baptized you? You know what John said? John said, "I baptize you unto repentance." But there's one that's coming after me whose shoes I'm not worthy to tie. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And when they heard this, they got it. We need to get baptized again after him. Hallelujah. Who is Jesus Christ. And when they heard this, 
uh, Peter, I mean Paul baptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and he laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost just like they did in every instance in the Bible. And friend of mine, you don't want to hope so salvation. You don't want to think so salvation. You want a real deal salvation. And it's here for you today. You can walk out of this church absolutely sure. I got it right. I got it right. I got it right. I'm telling you, you got to have it right. And if you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, God promises that if you would be obedient, he'll give the Holy Ghost to them that obey him. Romans chapter 8 says, if any man don't have the Holy Ghost, he do not belong to God. You don't belong to him. You're a good person, but being good don't make you acceptable. You got to belong to him, and you can, oh, man, you can have it today. Today is the day. Today is the day. You've been in church so many times. You've had so many opportunities. This message has come to you in so many different ways, and God made sure you get to hear it. So you'll never stand before the Lord and say, I didn't know. Well, now you know. And right now, the devil is working really hard in somebody's ear right now talking to him. Don't you do it. Don't you do it. Not today. Not today. You're not ready yet. You're not ready yet. That's the biggest lie ever came out of hell. Is when that devil said, you're not ready yet. Here comes the last question. I've already referenced to it already. Last question found in Acts chapter 2. Go starting verse number 36, and then we're going to end with this. And then we're going to see how many people want to be saved. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 36. This is the Bible. This is the Holy Ghost. Oh, I want you to get this real good. Therefore, let all the house of Israel, let all the people in Newark, Ohio, and all the surrounding areas know assuredly that God made this same Jesus whom you have crucified. He is both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. They said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, here's the question. Men and brethren, what shall we do? That's the most important question you could ever ask. What shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, here's the answer. Repent. That means change direction right now. You've been living like you want to live all up to this time, but today God is commanding you to repent. Change your direction. Stop being foolish. Obey and believe the word of God. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you. And you don't have to go to Bible college to figure that out. Plain and simple. He's talking to you, young lady. He's talking to you, sir. He's talking to you, visitor. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus said, the name of the Father. What's the name of the Father? What's the name of the Son, church? What's the name of the Holy Ghost? There's only one name, Jesus Christ. Why is that so important? It's for the remission of sins, the cleansing of your sin, the washing away of your filth. 
God has provided a way you can be cleansed, born again, washed in the blood. And this is it. And if you would do that, you shall, not might, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the power of God that will dwell inside of you and give you power to live the way he wants you to live. You've been trying to do it in your own strength and you fail every time, but he will give you power. He'll break addictions. He'll change the way you see things. He will live in you. He will guide you, talk to you. He will be that God you read about in the Bible. He will make himself real to you. But you got to respond. When? Today. There is no other option. Wow. I didn't come to church for all of this. But what you come to church for? This is not a place to be entertained. This is not a place to, to get your ears tickled. This is not a place to just come get a good feeling so you can go back out sinning again. This is the ark of Noah. It's cloudy outside. It's going to rain. You better come in while you still got a chance. And the time to come in is now. And Jesus said, just like it was in the days of Noah, people are going to sit there and snicker and laugh and think they smarter than the preacher. I got more time. We got more time. We don't have, you don't have to do that. Church down the street don't do that. You ain't got to do all that. Until the day God shut the door and the rain came. Would you stand with me all over this congregation? I wish there was some kind of way I could compel you. I wish there was something I could do. I wish I could be a better orator. I wish there was some way I could convey to you more and more what I'm feeling. But I'm just me. If it was up to me, I would, I would call down lightning. That would get your attention. If it was up to me, I would demand an angel to appear. That would get your attention. But God said, no, no, no. I choose the foolishness of preaching. Just preach to them. And to those who believe, I will grant salvation to those that will be obedient. Sir, are you ready today? I hope you are. Ma'am, are you ready? Young person, are you ready? Because today's your day. Now is the time. If you got to be the only one, God is calling your number. If nobody else comes but you, just one, there'll be joy in heaven over that one. I've done my part. God has done his part. Now, sir, it's up to you. Ma'am, it's up to you. If you believe and you're ready to obey, would you step out, come to the front of the church and just line up right here? Or 
shall be damned, burning, eternal lake of fire reserved for the devil and his demons. Choose this day. Will you bow your heads with me, church? Choose. We don't have all day. Jesus is calling you. Repent. Change your direction. Come and be baptized. Every one of you that's not rightly baptized, be baptized in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray for every person under the sound of my voice. They're struggling right now, and the devil is trying to keep them away. Oh, Lord, let them feel it in their heart. Don't resist. Don't fight them. Be saved. This is the way. Walk in it. Father, we pray for those that are watching by live stream. We pray for that woman sitting in her living room right now watching this. Ma'am, God loves you. You've been searching, you've been asking, but today God has shown you the way. I appeal to you, come. Sir! God is talking to you. Isn't it time for you to give up? Isn't it time for you to quit running? Isn't it time for you to quit living like you're living and you know you're not right? Now is the time. Today's the day. Oh, Lord, have mercy. God, you've done all you can do. Save us, Lord. Let a spirit of obedience sweep over our heart and soul. Help us to say, yes, we'll do it, Lord. It's in your word. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. In the name of Jesus. And now, since no one have come, I'm going to ask all who will, guests, visitors, friends, as we close out this service, let's pray for other people tonight. Let's pray for your friends, your family, your relatives. Let's pray yet for those that still don't have time. Time is already run out. But let's ask God for mercy. Would you come from this end, from the front to the sides? And let's gather in close before we dismiss service today. Somebody just closed their eyes in this life. Somebody just went into eternity just now. Somebody just died without hope without God. Come closer, please. Others are coming behind you. Somebody just died and it's too late for them. And people are walking around talking about they're in a better place. People are walking around lying, 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 trying to make you feel better. But the truth is they've gone to hell. And that's where you're headed. And your family and friends will say all kinds of nice things about you, but you're going to be burning in flames because you rejected the only way out. Holy God of heaven, 
there's nothing worth going to hell over. There's nothing worth missing you over. You told us. You've shown us. And now it's up to us to believe it. In the name of Jesus.